Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We are so excited to jump into this new series uh, called God and Country, believing that it is only going to be a two-part series, but we'll see where we go as we get into it. It is very important for us to realize that it is incumbent upon us, it is our responsibility to realize what citizenship requires and what it enables us to do. As we have come to the end of the first half of this year, and now we're getting ready to go into the second half, a lot of folks on the upcoming week are going to be celebrating the independence of the United States of America from the British rule. Um, so we want to take this time to talk about God and country, figuring that it would be a good time to discuss this because everybody's kind of focused on uh, this holiday, which we call Independence Day. So we're going to be coming out of First Chronicles, the 29th chapter, the 10th through the 18th verses. And as we go through this, I want to just uh, help you to get a good understanding of where it is our mind should be as it pertains to God and to country. Let's go into 1 Chronicles 29th chapter, the 10th verse, and the English Standard Version says this. It says, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. For we are all strangers before you and sojourners, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. O Lord, our God, all the abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, I have freely offered all these things, and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyous to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. This uh, is David doing 
two things. He has gotten a little bit older now, and he is getting ready to transition his position of authority to his son, Solomon. But what he really, really, really wanted to do was to build God a house. But God said, no, I want your son Solomon to build my house. And so David has asked the people to bring and to give. So as it pertains to God's house and as they have done that, he became so excited about their hearts and their desire to give generously that he said this prayer. And in this prayer, David, oh, y'all know David, right? David is the young man who was chosen before any of his other brothers. David was the shepherd boy that was out there in the fields when Samuel came to find the next king. David was the one who played the instrument with such skill that it would soothe Solomon when he was tormented. David was the one who, when Goliath was talking bad about the children of Israel, went out and won the victory and Saul's daughter's hand in marriage because no one else had the courage to do it. David was the one who, when Saul realized that David was going to be the king instead of Solomon, I mean, instead of Jonathan, that he began to, uh, Saul began to try to kill David, but David still showed honor to Saul. David was the one who snuck into the land of his enemy and found a place, a city, in order to be there with the, uh, in the midst of his enemy, but what he would tell the king of that area was that he was going attacking children of Israel, but in fact he was attacking his enemies. And it turned around that some of his enemies attacked his city and took everything, and God enabled David to go forth and to recover all. David was a blessed man. David was a man who had seen the hand of God operate in his life. David was not a perfect man, but David did what was right in the sight of God. When he was found to have done things that were not right, he was quick to turn and to ask God for forgiveness. And he was quick to not want to miss out on his relationship with God. David just had this mindset of, I want to be in the right place. And so as we look at this, David's close, closing out prayer, as he's getting ready to transition everything over to Solomon, we discover this in relationship. That Israel was a, pre, uh, pre, uh, what's the word, prominent, prominent nation at that time. In like manner, the United States is a a prominent nation in the world today. Now, as it pertains to uh, economics, as it pertains to military dominance, the United States is one of the most of all the nations. It is one of the most dominant when it comes to 
uh, economics. It's one of the most dominant when it comes to uh, military power. So the United States, like Israel, Israel was this little tiny country, but it affected their area in such a way that it caused all the nations to recognize them, nations that were larger and nations that were smaller. It became that country. Now, one of the things that we know is that America, the United States of America, has become very used to being number one. I don't know if you've ever been at the top of your game in any uh, event or any thing that you've done. And after a while, once you've been in that position of being one of the top people for so long, you start getting this air about you. Uh, you, you conduct yourself differently. You act a little differently. Um, sometimes it gets to the point where it's, it's arrogant. Sometimes it gets to the point where it's, uh, where you feel superior to everyone else because they can't do it like you do it. Well, the United States has that type of mentality, not as individuals, but as a country, uh, Whenever we go to another country, our, our thing is, why aren't you speaking English? Now, you go to somebody else's house and you say, you need to be speaking how I speak so I can understand you. That, that really ain't the perfect way to do business, but that's just kind of how the United States does, uh, carries itself when it goes throughout the world. One of the problems with being the, the best, the most dominant, and is that you start looking at everything through the lens of how you want things to be. There are a lot of people that talk about, especially in the area, the realm of theology, starts talking, talk, starts talking about how we now have this westernized when they talk about westernized they're talking about this united states mentality as it becomes as it becomes or pertains to theology so when you look at this we see how it can become where everything that we do has this look of uh being privileged of being better than of being authoritative uh no one knows anything except for you and sometimes as a nation that bleeds over into our churches. There are some areas in our churches where uh, we don't run into a lot of injustice or we don't run into a lot of heartache. We don't run into a lot of pain because of being the United States. And we can also see how this can cause people to stumble because when adversity comes they they've been taught that you know because you're the best you shouldn't have any issues because you're the best you shouldn't have any pain or anything like that and so it can cause people to stumble because they are not the christian now i, I, I would put that in air quotes the christian that everyone else is but it then becomes 
our vision then becomes uh I want to seek the believer seeks the American dream or the American kingdom instead of God's kingdom and we already know that in Matthew the 6th chapter in the 33rd verse Jesus said that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness that all the other things will be added unto you. So we start having this conflict between what the Bible teaches, not based upon location, not based upon preeminence, not based upon the ability to dominate, but upon what God has directed as the pathway for Christians to travel. And so we see when David was praying during this time, his whole focus was on God, you have given us everything. There's nothing that we have that you have not given us. You know, everybody may say that we're this dominant country, that we have all this power, but none of this would be in existence if it was not for your hand being upon us. And David was able to see how important it was to recognize where our priorities were, where our priorities are, and where our priorities will be. Because that can have an adverse effect on where we are going as kingdom citizens. And so this first chronicles, this the backdrop of this first chronicle is, is, is just uh, the highlights of David's reign as the king. And it shows the uh, Davidic covenant between David and God. It shows how this covenant is that there will be a future messianic king that comes from the line of David. And that it would have a great encouragement to the people. And that uh, the people would be able to rebuild their lives. The Israelites will be able to rebuild their lives after they go through times of captivity. Because of this messianic promise. This Davidic covenant. This uh, agreement between David and God of what was going to transpire. And so we see uh, how this has established, this prayer has established this opportunity for all this to happen. As David is talking to his people, talking to his son, and the ancient Near Easterners regarded such statements as extremely important. Because in this address, David uh, does the cer certain things. He shows what he has learned in his life. David's prayer has three parts. First, he praises God for what he has done in their lives. And then he presents what God has done. And then finally, he makes a petition 
to God regarding what he has done. The first acknowledgement he says, God, this is your kingdom. This is everything of this is yours. God's uh, 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 whole, oh, I mean, Israel's whole thing is based upon God choosing them to be his chosen people. There was nothing that they had done. It's just that God had chose them to be his chosen people. And we have to understand that God's universal kingdom, it encompasses all that exists in space and time. Everything is God. God has all of this that he has created. It's all his. And it's nothing that we have done of himself. And that's why David says that all things come from you. And of your own, we, uh, uh, and of your own have we given you. So he's saying, listen, you already own everything, and everything that we've given you has been yours already, but you were seeing what type of steward we were going to be with what you were given, where we're going to follow your precepts, your principles, your practices, so that we would know and recognize who the giver of all things are and is. And then he says, there's nothing that uh, they are accomplishing that wasn't first provided by God. And in verse uh, 15, David says that we were strangers before you and sojourners, people who were here on earth for only a moment. And by saying this, he recognizes that God's kingdom is different then whatever earthly land we find ourselves in. God's kingdom is different. God's kingdom is not based upon who is the strongest, who is the most powerful. It's not based upon this because God has all power. God has all strength. He already has all this. He wants folks to love him as a choice for love. And he doesn't want us to worry about being the number one. He doesn't want to worry about us being the strongest. He doesn't want us to get wrapped all up in that. He wants us to show how we feel towards him. And so we can be excited that although the children, the nation of Israel was chosen by God as a example it was not chosen as some as the only nation that God would allow to be a part of his kingdom. Israel was selected to be the example for the other nations. And as Israel was would prosper in serving God, that the other nations would look at that and want to be a part of what Israel had. And that was God's whole configuration for how this was set up. And so, even today, we can realize that it's not based upon what it is that we should be as Americans, but how does God's kingdom operate? See, that's the issue that we have. That's the turbulence that we have. Are we so focused on our country that we 
have changed it from God and country to country and God. Thinking that our country, where we're from, the United States of America, will put us in a better position than the creator of all things. I think that we have slipped into this and have established that it is based upon how uh, much money you have, how much uh, house you have, how much car you have, is based upon what you have that determines your Christianity, not your relationship with God. And that is totally opposite of what God wants. God's not about the biggest of the houses. God's not about the, the nicest of cars. God's not about the largest of bank accounts. He's about what is your relationship with him and his son, his spirit, and how are you operating in those relationships? And that we recognize that if it had not been for God on our side, that we would, be we would be people most miserable, that we would be in a situation that would cause more complications than solutions. But it's because we have submitted ourselves to God and because we have submitted ourselves to God and fallen into His way of doing things, that we realize that it is in God that we are able to live. It's in God that we are able to move. It's in God that we have our very existence. And when we understand that, then we begin to conform to the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of the United States of America. And the last part of David's uh, prayer was, that he always wanted the people's heart to be turned towards God. He always wanted the people's hearts to be turned towards God. We as a nation have established that we want our hearts to be turned towards ourselves and believe in ourselves and and we get so focused on self that we begin to become selfish and then we are not a blessing to anyone around us. We are more competitive against one another. We are like uh, the, the, the crabs in the bucket. We can't keep pulling each other down because we are only concerned about ourselves and not helping one another. There's a story of this man who went down to hell. And as he went down to hell, this demon was taking him, took him to this room. And in this room, there was, in the middle, there was this cauldron full of food. And there were some folks around the cauldron of food, and they had these uh, spoons that were uh, taped to their arm or locked a part of their hand, their arm, and it was long enough to reach into the cauldron, cauldron and dip out some food, but they couldn't feed it to themselves. And so the people were most frustrated because of the situation. 
They could get into there, they can get the food, but they couldn't feed themselves. And then the, the, uh, the demon uh, then took him to another room. And, I mean, not, 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 not the demon, but an angel then came and, and, and got him and took him to the other side of the same, uh, same area. And these same people... Not the same people, but the same situation where they had the extension of their arm was a spoon that could reach into the cauldron. But these folks were all happy and celebrating. They were actually they were in good shape. They were not skinny like the other group. And the difference was that what they did was, although the spoon was too long for them to feed themselves, they could feed the person to their right. And so what they did was they would get the food and feed the person to the right. And so everybody did that. And because they shared what they were able to get with the person to their right, it went all the way around and came back to them. But a simple fact of they focused on helping someone else, it came back to them and was a benefit to them. While on the other side, the folks were upset and dying and going through because they could not feed themselves and did not care about anyone else. I believe that is a good uh, analogy of how God's kingdom works because God's kingdom is about us helping one another to achieve what God has established for each and every one of us to achieve. So we have to lock in to that mentality and so we want to uh, begin to close out with this this right here it says David who lived in a time when God and nation were extractively combined by a theocratical political system still recognized that earthly kingdoms are not the true kingdom of God it is easy to revise American history to almost fairy tale like proportions that ignore the not so Christian events, such as theft from the Native Americans, slavery, policies of, of racial exclusion, uh, injustice, things that have formed the nation and have brought such prosperity to some. A simple look at the Beatitudes which lost the poor, the mourning, the meek, the merciful, the pure, the peacemaker, and the prosecutor as those who will see God and inherit the kingdom of heaven, stands in stark contrast to what the kingdom of America has, has sometimes valued. <coughs> While the story of scripture and the story of America are not always in conflict, they are not the same story. The end goal of America is not the kingdom of God. The Christian story, the story of God's redemption of the world through the person of Jesus and the work of the Spirit, forms us toward a different way of life than the story of America does. Celebrations in our Christian community should lead to our citizenship in the kingdom of God informing our earthly citizenship rather than the other way around. I don't, if, if you have heard me before, I talk about how we have made the word Christian 
an adjective whether it be a noun and we modify it so that it fits whatever we want it to fit but God's desire is that we be a Christian and that be who we are that be our person place or thing not that it uh, modifies what we have established as the person place or thing because if we modify it then that means that we are not doing it purely based upon the commandment that God has given us and so we have to look at this as I am going to be a Christian and because I'm living a Christian life in America it causes certain things that most Americans think are okay is not okay for me because it's not about me becoming the most wealthy it's not about me becoming the most dominant it's not about me but it's about me being a submitted citizen to the kingdom of God and as I'm a submitted citizen to the kingdom of God that God opens opportunities for me to be blessed but his desire is not for me to hold on to the blessing but he is desires for me to be a blessing to others so that they can be elevated that because I'm the willing vessel at the moment that God uses that I am able to perpetuate that to others so that they can be elevated to another level not that I'm worried about my spoon and being able to feed myself but looking at an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else around the circle and believing that if I bless somebody in the circle that I will end up being blessed because I blessed someone else two different ways of thinking we're going to continue on with this next week but I just want to lay this out that David's prayer as he closed it out, he says, God, please keep the people's heart turned towards you. And my prayer for us even right now is, America, citizens of the United States, please seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's way of doing and being right. That's what righteousness is. God's way of being and doing right. And all the other things will be added unto you. But a lot of folks have decided that I want the things first and then I'll do the God thing. No, God says, because I'm the provider of all, I want to know what your heart is so that I can help you. I can assist you to become more in uh, conformity to who my kingdom citizens are instead of the arrogant uh, dominate, domineering citizens of the United States. I'm not bashing our country. I'm just saying our country has now gotten themselves into a mindset that they think that they are the, uh, the sandwich, the cheese, everything that goes inside, the bag of chips, the Pepsi, the Coke, everything else and nothing else matters but there is something that matters it is our relationship with Jesus and all that he's done for us in the spiritual level instead of just being focused on the physical level that's what we're gonna stop right there and finish this up next week the day after Independence Day I have some more to hit you with to talk to you about so that we can ensure that our focus is right and not left.
not in the wrong direction. So that we can focus on being godly, being kingdom citizens, so that God can be glorified. If you have not received Jesus in your life, have not accepted his sacrifice for you, then it is impossible for you to be a kingdom citizen, a kingdom of God citizen. Jesus says that he's the only way, that he's the only truth, that he's the only life, that no man can come to the Father except by him. And if you have not accepted him, then I would admonish you today to accept Christ into your life. It is not a difficult thing. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So it's a confession of your mouth saying that you believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead for your sin. And because of that, you accept the sacrifice that Jesus made. God says that he will accept you into the kingdom of God. And then when he accepts you into the kingdom of God, you are no longer under the penalty of the sins that you have committed. You are no longer pulled aside by those sins. But God is now positioning you to become a true citizen of the kingdom of heaven. If you have made that decision today, Please let us know so that we can ensure that we get some more information to you to help you along the way in becoming a true citizen of the kingdom of God. And with that said, we want to just thank you for hanging out with us, being a part of our service today. We believe that something was said today that will encourage you to uh, go throughout this week. And as you celebrate this upcoming weekend with your barbecues and, and all that, please take a moment to recognize that God has provided this opportunity for you to celebrate the freedom that was gained by this, uh, this country, the United States, becoming a nation. But more importantly, he wants you to become a citizen of his kingdom where he will provide for you for your life eternal so that you will never see everlasting death. With that said, we just want to tell you to have a wonderful weekend, that we believe God's best for you this week, and that God's desire is for you to be a citizen of his kingdom. God's blessings be upon you. You and your family, enjoy your week, and we thank God for you spending time with us in Jesus' name.